Would you turn to John 5 this evening? Uh, I tell you, the Lord is uh, using our testimony. He really is. I, people all over the uh, country, you know, I saw, we saw a lot of people this last week. People came in from all over the country and, and all over the world and uh, just numerous ministers. And both before this week, seeing some of them come in and then also this week, person after person after person asked Phyllis or asked me, they catch us around the side and say, is it true? All these things we've been hearing about God doing for y'all. In Branson, we said, yep, yep, God's good, amen, and so that's what we want too, isn't it? When people say, well, what did y'all do? And we said, well, God's doing it, amen, it's, it's not us, I mean, we're, we're believing him, but he's, it's, you know, he's just doing too much for it that we could have figured and done, I mean, God's making us an example of blessing, so how many of that pleases you, and we want this to go on and increase much, much more. Amen, and be a good uh, a good example, which we ought to want to be anyway. But the Lord is making us an example in some areas. If you've been with us on the Friday nights, you know that we've been teaching and preaching, ministering on the subject of receiving and ministering healing, and we've been taking one by one the individual cases and accounts of people healed. In Jesus' ministry, recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we, as we told you, there's only about 19. I say about, not because I hadn't studied it, but because uh, it depends on what you count and what you don't count. Uh, so about 19 individual cases of healing. And, and, you know, you're reading, you'll think, well, boy, there's a lot more people in 19 got healed. You're right. I mean, there are times when thousands and thousands of people got healed in a single day. But only about 19 where we're told who they were, what was wrong with them, what they did, and how they received, how Jesus ministered. The others that just said they were healed. Nothing's told about, uh, no detail. So we've been taking these one by one, and I believe we're up to number 15. Tonight, anybody been keeping up? Huh? Anybody agree with that number or nobody knows? <laughs> if you haven't been with us and you're, you're interested in this, as you should be, because you or your family or friend or somebody you know is going to need this. Amen. 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 Talking about healing, you know. Our bodies are mortal. And uh, that's one of the areas that the enemy really tries to keep people down in. Two areas that you should feed, feed your faith in continually. On a, even when you're doing real well, you should feed your faith on the area of healing and prosperity. Because the enemy works really hard. Because if he can keep you sick and he can keep you broke, he can keep you ineffectual. Hmm? I mean, you know, even if you got money, but you're sick, you could afford to go somewhere and do something, but you don't feel like it. You're not up to it. And even if you got health, but you ain't got enough money to buy a tank of gas to get out of town or get to church, then you're, then you're hindered and crippled. Right? So he tries to cripple us physically. He tries to cripple us financially because he is the enemy of our soul. But he is a stripped, brought to nothing, defeated foe. Under our feet. Amen. And we can believe God. And we can overcome. Yes. 
And the way we do it is by our faith. Our faith, First John says, is the victory that overcomes the world. But faith is like a muscle. Maybe you worked out your arms and that kind of thing. And your arms were really strong 15 years ago. <laughs> if all you've done the last 15 years was sit on the couch and eat ice cream and potato chips. Well, your arms are not strong like they used to be. Right? And just because you used to be strong in faith in an area is no sign that you're strong today. You have to continually feed your faith. Amen? And exercise or use your faith. So we've been a pounding on it every Friday night. Get that faith for healing. Amen? Get it built up. Get it strong. Why? Because just think about if the whole church is healthy and strong. Just think about how much money you saved. Not to mention the pain, strain, and time. Think about how much time is saved not sitting in the doctor's office. Huh? Think about how the family is not affected. Sickness is a thief. It steals your time. It steals your feelings. It robs your family of, of the daddy or husband or brother or sister that they should have. It's a thief. And if it's a thief, it's not from God. Jesus said, the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I am come. That you might have life and that you might have it too much. That's what that word means. More abundantly, it means too much. Above abundance. So turn with me to John 5 this evening and let's continue on with another account of healing in the ministry of Jesus. Because as we said, when we are studying these, Jesus said, I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. In Hebrews, he is called the express image of the Father. He said, if you've seen me, You've seen the Father. So is it true then that everything we read about Jesus doing and saying is the revealed will of God for all mankind, for all time? Is that right? Anything he did for this man we're going to study about today, he would do for somebody else. How many believe he has not changed? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he used to heal... He still heals. If he healed them, he'll heal us. Amen. Amen. If you believe it, say amen again. Glory to God. Well, John 5 is the, uh, the story, historical account of the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda. And, uh, We'll read it, read through it, and then back up to uh, take a verse at a time like, like our custom has been. And I, wanna, I want you to note a difference about this one than some of the rest of them. In John 5 and verse 1, are you there? Good. Let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you again for the holy word of God, how precious it is to us, its life to us. It's health to all our flesh. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who's our teacher here tonight. Thank you for giving us eyes to see. We ask for it. Ears to hear. 
heart that receives. Let there come many questions answered tonight. Let there come problems solved. Let there come direction for things in life. Speak to your people, everyone, just where we require and desire it tonight in Jesus' name. And we'll give you the glory. We'll not be hearers only, but by your grace and faith, we are doers. Doers. In Jesus' name, amen. John 5, 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market, or sheep gate, actually the margin says, a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am a-coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. How many believe it happened just like that? Huh? Can he do it again? Can the Lord do it again? Does he want to do it again? Is it his will? Certainly. He hasn't changed. And on the same day was the Sabbath. Say, uh (laughs) uh-oh. Jesus got in so much trouble (laughs) by doing things. If he'd have just done it one day earlier or one day later, he might, might have saved a lot of trouble with these religious leaders. But he wasn't just doing it himself. He said, whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. So the Father led him and directed him and did this through him. And it rubbed people crossways. But it was the will of God that they get rubbed crossways. Hmm? How many of some stuff needs to be rubbed crossways? Because it's wrong. And it keeps people in bondage. Lies blind people. And lies bind people. Thank God the truth lets you see and the truth makes you free. Amen. So uh, sometimes people's theology needs to be upended. Sometimes their theories and ideas and their field needs to be plowed crosswise. Hmm? You'll notice this. When you get light and when you get, when you get revelation and it shows that you've been wrong in a thing, you'll do one of two things. You'll either harden yourself and resist it like they did. Or if you're smart, you'll humble yourself and receive it and change. Let God bless you. If I'm wrong, I want to know it. 
Don't you? I don't want to just keep studying. If I, if I tell something that's wrong or taught something that's wrong, please, Lord, show me. I'll straighten it up. I've done it before. I've gone back to students I had years ago. And, and a group of them one time, as it was a small group, thank the Lord. And I taught a particular thing to them that wasn't right. And I grew in about two years and learned that it wasn't right. And one time they were in town together, I called them all in. I said, hey, you know that thing I taught you such and such? They said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I don't believe it. It's not right. I'm sorry. I've learned since then. I've learned better. None of us knows everything. We're all learning and growing. But if you're wrong, you ought to desire to see it. But the thing is, a lot of folk, they just don't want to admit it. Especially when it comes to spiritual things. You know, you'll find that people don't like to be told how to pray. They don't like to be told about certain spiritual things. But nobody knows anything unless you've been taught. Just because you've been around a long time doesn't mean you necessarily know much. Depends on what you've been feeding on and, and, and how you've been taught. Brother Hagin said some years ago he was having a meeting in a church. He knew before he went the Lord sent him especially to help the pastor on some things. And he was there for like two weeks. And, and he was there day after day and the pastor didn't even come to the service. Kept telling him how busy he was. He had a lot of things he had to do and keep up with, you know. And finally, he's getting to the end of the two weeks. And the, past, well, the, the morning sessions, I, I should say it like that. The pastor wasn't coming to the morning sessions. I think maybe he was coming to some of the night. But he hadn't been to one of the morning sessions. And Brother Hagin knew in his heart what he was teaching in those morning sessions was the thing that this fellow needed to hear. And so the, uh, it's just like the last day or so before he's going to leave. And he asked the fellow about, about, you know, about coming and, uh, and why he didn't come. And this is what the fellow said. He said, well, he said, I hadn't been there, but I know what you're teaching. And he said, uh, and if I come and agree with you on what you're teaching there, I'm going to have to admit that I've been wrong. And Brother Hagin said the Lord had dealt with him that the man was going to die if he didn't make some major changes. And he said it had been so strong on his heart, he just blurted out. He said, well, do you know you're going to die? And the fellow said, yeah, I know it. He said, well, do you know you don't have to? He said, well, yeah. But if I come and, and admit that you're right, my people know what I've taught. It's opposite to that. And I just don't want to do it. He said, I'd, I'd just rather die than do that. And sure enough, within, a, I guess, just a few weeks or so, he did. And a lot of folk are that way. They just didn't say it. But when it comes to admitting that they're wrong, especially about spiritual things, especially about the Bible, especially about those kind of things, some folk would just choke on it and they, they just won't. They'd rather leave a church God sent them to. They'd rather break relationships that God hooked them up with. Leave friends. Go home early. So uh, don't be that way, right? Everybody say, I can repent. I can admit I'm wrong. You know, think about it. When's the last time you said to somebody, you're right, I'm wrong, period. 
Put a period on. Don't say, well, you know, maybe, you know, you're right about, but. <laughs> well, you're just messing up a perfectly good apology. You know, you're, you're ruining it now. Let me ask you again. Don't, don't, just, don't just sit there and look at me now. Think about it. When's the last time you looked at somebody and said, you're right, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. When's the last time you did that? I've had ladies tell me before that their husbands hadn't told them he was sorry in 15 years about anything. Wives, you know, same thing. Wife wouldn't admit she was sorry about it or wrong about anything. 15 years. Well, now, you know, that can't be right. You hadn't done everything perfect for 15 years. Did you hear me? Don't be weak. That's, that's being weak. Be a strong man. Be a strong woman. Strong people, secure people can admit it when they miss it. Can admit it when they're wrong. Amen? Is that you? All right. <laughs> Said out loud, Lord, open my eyes. Show me light. If I'm wrong, I want to see it. If I've missed it on things, if I believed the wrong thing, said a wrong thing, reveal it to me. I'll repent. I'll admit I'm wrong. By your grace, I'll change. And I'll thank you for it. Amen. Now do it. Don't, don't be a hard head. Because it can cost you. Being hard-headed like that can cost you. Because he that hardens his heart and stiffens his neck. What's the rest of the verse? Scriptorians? What's the rest of the verse? It's in Proverbs. If you harden your heart, you stiffen your neck, what happens? You'll be destroyed. And that without remedy. Proverbs also says that if you hide your sin, you will not prosper. But if you will confess it and forsake it, you'll have mercy. Say it out loud with me. If you hide your sin, you will not prosper. But if you'll confess it. Now what does that mean? Admit it. Admit it. Acknowledge it. Say it. If you'll confess it, what does it say? You'll have mercy. If you confess it and forsake it or change, you'll have mercy. Well, that's what you want, right? If you got mercy, then you didn't get judged. Amen. If you didn't get judged, you didn't get destroyed. Amen. Right? Yeah. Aren't you glad we're having so much fun yeah. tonight? Yeah. Well, I tell you what, living long instead of dying young is fun. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, having mercy instead of getting judged is fun. But some people qualify and some people don't because some people are hard-headed and rebellious and won't repent. And some people will humble themselves and will repent. And it makes all the difference in your life. And what's that got to do with John 4? I don't know. But verse 9, 7, how about that? The impotent man answered him said, Sir, I have no man. 
when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said to him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day. And it is not lawful for you to carry your bed. See, they could care less about a man who was sick for 38 years being miraculously healed. They're all up in the air because one of their rules got broke. Religious people who don't know God are some of the meanest, most cruel people on the planet. They are. He answered them and said, he that made me whole told me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, what man is it that told you, take up your bed and walk? They should have been asking, How'd you, you got healed? How'd you get healed? Tell us about it. Testify. No, they want to find Jesus so they can cause him trouble. And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you are made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. Now that's ignorant, isn't it? Wanting to kill somebody. Because they got somebody healed. Now there's still folk around that don't like us to talk about healing. But tough. We believe it. Amen. And the Lord does things, we're going to tell it. But there are folk that get upset. They get upset. Because it violates what they think. Well, that doesn't agree with our doctrine. Well, yeah, but your doctrine could be wrong. A lot of folk are not even open to that. Huh. That's what my great-grandpa believed, and what grandpa believed, and Paul believed, and I believe it. It was good enough for grandpa, it's good enough for me. Well, what did it do for grandpa? <laughs> we need to ask ourselves, okay, he believed it, did it help him or hurt him? What did it ever do for him? What's it doing for you? Because the truth will do what for you? It'll make you free. Jesus answered them and said, My father works hitherto, and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. You know, the devil doesn't like for you and I to say we're sons of God. He doesn't like for you and I to say God's our father. That's why you ought to say it every day. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that himself doeth, and he'll show him greater works than these, that you may marvel. He said, Well, <laughs> sorry to see you so upset about it, but you better get a grip because it's going to keep happening. And even greater things than these. So if you can't handle this, what are you going to do? 
And God, how many believe the Lord told us that in this church? I mean, we're thanking him for what he's done, but he told us greater things than these. You'll see. We've received that word for us. Amen. We'll go back to the first chapter and let's begin looking at this to see how this man got healed, to see how Jesus ministered to him because it's exactly how it happens today. In John 5 and the second verse, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda having five porches. Now the word Bethesda means house of mercy or house of kindness, which gives you a clue as to what you're going to be seeing in the story. And what was happening, you know, we're going to get to it in just a minute, but there were, well, let's just read the next verse. It says that there were, uh, in these, there were five porches. One, one translation calls it covered colonnades. So it was a cover over it, maybe open, didn't have walls and that kind of thing. But uh, some say that the pool was like 55 feet long. And it had around it these five arches, which had a covering, but I guess maybe no walls and that kind of thing. And there were a lot of people, it said a great multitude. So this is a lot more than 20 or 30. Uh, I mean, I would say at least hundreds of people, maybe more, maybe thousands. A lot of people are out here. And it says, Impotent folk, that means ailing or weak, people without strength. He gives you some examples. Blind people, halt people, crippled people, withered people, waiting for the moving of the water. Now get the picture, put yourself there. Now it goes on to tell in verse 4 about an angel that went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. And some translations don't, don't leave that verse in. Some take it out. But if you just skip from that verse to the next one and read about it, uh, why are they all hanging around that pool? Right? <laughs> There's got to be some reason why all these people that are weak and sick drag themselves out day after day. Something's going on at the pool. And this is the next explanation. I accept it. Amen. Amen. Our scholars fight over it, but forget that. And this agrees with some other things as well. You know, you don't take any one scripture and just build your life just only on that. If it's a Bible truth, you're going to find it in other scriptures, in other places. And the Bible said in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And rightly divide the scripture. How do you do it? How do you divide a verse rightly with other scriptures? And uh, it says that an angel. Everybody say an angel. An angel. You believe in angels, don't you? Yeah. Angels are real. Yeah. You know, there are two realms. There is the realm of the spirit or dimension, if you want to call it that, of the spirit. And realm or dimension of the natural. You and I live in a natural world, but we are spirit beings. Hmm? We're not just body and mind. We're spirit. 
soul, and body. And uh, in, in the realm of the spirit, there are spirit beings. God himself is a spirit. Angels are spirits. Demons are spirits. Human beings are spirits. There are human beings in hell tonight. Their bodies are not there, but they're there. Their spirits are. There are human beings in heaven tonight. And they are them, you know. The Bible said about Paul, I've had people, heard people say, well, you know, wonder what it'll be like. Wonder if we'll recognize or know each other up there. Well, do you know each other down here? If you do, then you will because you're going to be you and they're going to be them. You're not going to change. You hear some people talking about, well, you can maybe we'll change into an angel. Or you actually hear people say sometimes when a young person is killed or dies early, well, God needed another angel in the choir. So, well, that's totally unscriptural. No. First of all, even to use that terminology, God took them, is not correct. There are only a couple of people in Scripture that the Bible talks about God taking. Enoch was one of them. Amen. Some say, what, what, what do you mean? How, how, what's the way to say it? Most folk, the people that are saved, they went to be with the Lord. Amen. And according to Scripture, you can go early. You can go before you should. There's a lot of things to, to consider there. We have a lot more to do with it than people like to think. But anyway, we're spirit beings. You're sitting there right now looking at me through those two windows we call eyes. Somebody said, well, I saw Brother Keith. Well, no, you saw my body. I'm on the inside. Amen. It's like you said you saw a car go by. So well, that was Brother Keith. Well, no, that was the car. I'm in the car. Right? And that's the way it is. These, these bodies are earth suits. Vehicles, tabernacles, if you will, vessels, the Bible calls them. And uh, one of these days, it's going to be changed into an incorruptible, immortal body. And I'm looking forward to that. Are you? Never have another bad hair day. (laughs) That'll be worth it all right there. But everybody say angels. angels. Angels are involved in the ministry of healing. Amen. They were here. An angel would go down ever so often and stir up this pool. I don't know how they did it. Maybe they stuck their hand in, swirl it around. Maybe they just dove in, made a big splash. Maybe they swirl their foot around. I don't know what they did, but the people sitting around knew something's in the pool. They could see the movement. They, they knew something. And they knew from experience, if you could get in the pool, when this stirring is going on, you get healed and it doesn't make any difference. What's wrong with you? Anything. Anything. But only the first one. They're all sitting around this pool like turtles. <laughs> and it gets stirred and you hear, bloop, 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 splash, splash. But only the first splash, only the first one gets healed. Now this, is t- this whole 
healing account is typical of a different kind of healing than most of what we've been studying about. I've told you, you know, before we begin, in these 19 accounts, the great majority of the people healed in these accounts were healed through their own faith. I didn't say all of them. Right? And here is one that is the exception. This man was not healed on his own faith. I'm going to explain it as we go. You might want to write this down if you're taking notes. We're dividing these healings up into two basic categories. I'd call one category faith-initiated healings. And another category we'll call spirit-initiated healings. And by spirit, you know I'm talking about Holy Spirit. Or you could say God-initiated or spirit-initiated. Of the ones we've studied already, let me give you a little review. Can you handle a review? Y'all awake tonight? Are you okay? We studied the healing of the leper. And he was healed. It was his faith a factor. He said, "If if you will, you can make me whole. He believed Jesus could. Jesus told him, I will. Now he believes he will. Yeah, his faith was the determining factor. Peter's wife's mother, they came and prayed and asked him to heal her. They must have believed something, mustn't they? They're expecting something. Yeah, faith. Number three, the man born by four, the paralytic, said Jesus saw their faith. So yeah, faith got him healed. The nobleman's son, it said, you know, Jesus told him, said, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. And he told him, go your way. And, and the Bible said, the man believed the word that the Lord told him. And he went his way and his boy was healed. So number four, faith. Number five, the man with the withered hand. He called him out and he told him, stretch forth your hand. And the Bible said, and he did so. He acted on that word. That's obviously faith. It takes faith to act on that. And I'm going to come back to this case because you'll get some insight compared to this in just a minute. But yeah, number five was faith. The centurion servant. These are ones we've already studied in previous lessons. He, he said, speak the word only and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I hadn't found such great faith. No, not in Israel. So his faith was the factor. Jairus' daughter. Remember when they got there? Jesus looked at him and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Right? And he must have. You know, the first thing he started out by saying, if you'll come lay your hands on her, she will live. That's faith. Faith. Number eight, the woman with the issue of blood. Was it faith? Come on, y'all remember the woman with the issue of blood? What did he look at her and say, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Number nine, the two blind men. He said, you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yes, Lord. He said, then according to your faith. According to your what? Faith be it unto you. So it was faith. Number nine was faith. Number ten, the Syrophoenician woman's daughter got healed. Anybody remember that? Which one? What was that? He said, O woman, great is your faith, be it unto you, even as you will. Number eleven, the deaf man with the speech impediment. Was it faith? Yeah. They brought this man to Jesus and they beseech him. Would you put your hand? Why would you say, put your hand on him? 
You must be believing something. You must be expecting something. And you remember, he told him not to tell anybody in the town. He wanted him to stay away from unbelief. Faith was a factor. The blind man at Bethsaida, same thing. They came and besought him to touch him. That's faith. And he took him out of the town to heal him. Had wanted to get him away from the unbelief. Number 13, the man that had the lunatic son. He said, Lord, if you can do anything, have mercy, have compassion on us and help us. And the Lord said, what? If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And the man said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We studied that. So definitely faith. Now, uh, last week, if you were here, the man born blind here in the book of John, right? The man was born blind. Anybody remember that? We studied that last week. Well, how was he healed? Was he healed on his own faith? Think about it. Was anything said about believing, him, him believing, or people that brought him believing or receiving? No. No. Remember, they were just walking by, and the disciples said, Lord, who sinned? This man or his parents? That nothing is said about the man asking for prayer or believing anything, right? But Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. He said, so that the works of God can be manifested in him. And he walked over to him and put mud in his eyes. Remember that? And said, you go wash that off in the pool. Well, nothing said about the man. Now, he did have to get up and obey. Right? So it, it took, you know, some faith to obey. But the initiation of it was the Holy Spirit. He didn't come and initiate it. Jesus went to him. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptics because they're very similar. A lot of what is in Matthew is also in Mark and Luke and vice versa. But John is called the different gospel. That's a name scholars are giving it. The different gospel. And, and the reason why, a lot of what you, I think it's what, like 80% or so of what's in John is not found in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. It's different. The purpose of the writing is different. And you'll find two of these that are different already now in John. This one's in John, isn't it? And I'm telling you ahead of time, this man did not receive on his own faith. His healing was not faith initiated. It was spirit initiated. Let's study some more about it. They're all sitting around this pool waiting on the moving of the waters. Does God do special things? Hmm? How many would like to see some more special things? Would you like to see some special things around here? God does special things. Bible says concerning Paul in the book of Acts, how God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. Right? So that from his body were brought into sick handkerchiefs or aprons. And when they were laid on them, uh, evil spirits went out of them. Diseases departed from them. How many remember in the book of Acts about how Peter's shadow fell across people? And and they got healed. God does some, some special things. How many believe he still does special things? Hadn't lost his touch. He still does special things. Well... God was doing some special things. You know, sometimes people, whole groups, have gotten so far away from God, they're not even aware that He will do things or desires to do it, and He'll move in some special ways for a few. 
to let people see what is available to everybody by faith. Did you hear that phrase now? God will do some special things. Did you hear that word? For a few. Now see how many have we studied? This is number 15. And 13 of the 15, halfway for 14, their faith did it. So even if you want to say two out of 15 is not the majority, and we're not through with our study. So if you just say 13 out of 15, it was their faith that got them healed. Two out of 15 was a special thing. How many think we ought to have both? We ought to have it all. Amen. People getting healed on a regular basis by using their faith. And some special things. Amen. Well, I tell you one thing that will affect it is you and me getting to praying about it. We'll do it before this service is over. We'll all stand up and release our faith and ask him to do some special things. And all you got to do is expect him to do it. Now, people get in trouble. Because notice what it said, these, all these people in these five porches around this pool, what were they doing? Read your scripture. What were they doing? Waiting. Waiting on the moving of the water, which was waiting on something special. And these people have been waiting, some of them, how long? We don't know how long this has been going on. Months? Years? This man had been this way for 38 years. Year, that's a long time. 38 years? I don't know how long of that 38 years he was waiting at the pool, but we could assume that it was some length of time. And here, here's the deal. You can die waiting on something special. Amen. You can stay sick for decades waiting on something special. When all the time you can act on the word and by faith, Receive it yourself. Initiate it. Some things that belong to all of us, like healing, you can initiate and receive that yourself. You know, people that's uh, not born again, they can't say they're waiting on the Lord to be saved. How many believe they could come to Him any day? Huh? Could they initiate being born again? Yes, Yes, they could. Price has been paid, it belongs to them. But they must have faith. We we should expect more manifestation of the ministry of angels. Go with me to Colossians 2. Colossians 2. I tell you what, go ahead and find Revelation 22. At the same time, we'll just go right from one place to the other. Colossians 2. Revelation 22. Are you believing with me tonight? I would ask you to. It's not just up to me. What kind of service we have. Said out loud again, I believe in special things. Now, I believe if you and I will grow like we should. And develop in spiritual things. We're going to be more aware. Of even angelic activity. In John. Jesus told uh, an individual. He talked about he would see angels ascending and descending. 
Apparently angels go back and forth between heaven and earth. Angels are messengers and angels are deliverers. They make deliveries of heavenly products. Amen. And Hebrews 1.14 says that they're all ministering spirits sent to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. That's us. While you're holding your places there, don't try to turn to these. Just listen to them. In, uh, in the book of uh, Daniel, Daniel was ministered to by an angel. He, he, he had a vision and he fell on his face and was so weak he couldn't even raise his head up. And the Bible said, there, there came and touched me like the appearance of a man and he strengthened me. When the angel touched him, strength came into him. Now I haven't digressed from our text. What happened when the waters were troubled, somebody jumped in. First guy that jumped in, what's happening to him? Huh? I suppose this angel is touching him or ministering to him some way or another with healing. Right? Uh, The Bible said in... um, Concerning Jesus on two occasions, you know, in the wilderness temptation, when he'd been out there for 40 days and nights and after, after the whole ordeal, you could imagine uh, 40 days and nights without food and going through all that temptation. He's, he's still in a physical body. And the Bible said there appeared an angel to him, to Jesus from heaven, strengthening him. Everybody say strengthening him. This angel, how did he do it? I don't know. Maybe he touched him or he spoke something to him. The angel strengthened Jesus' body and and perhaps more than body. But then again, at the end of his ministry, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, praying, sweating blood, the Bible said while he was doing that, there appeared an angel to him from heaven strengthening him. So it happens. I said it happens. Angels are real. And they're God's messengers. And they're involved in the Lord's ministries. And I'm convinced they walk up and down aisles in churches. And they touch people in seats. They do the bidding of God. Amen. I've had uh, people testify to me, and this one fellow talked about, he was in the hospital dying of congestive heart failure. They gave him no hope. And he said he finally got off to sleep one night, and he woke up, and a man was standing right over his face with his hands in his chest, inside his chest. And he said, but he wasn't scared. And he knew this ain't no ordinary man. And he said, uh, the man told him, just go back to sleep. It'll all be fine. And he went back to sleep. Woke up the next morning with a new heart. Amen. The man said, I don't believe that. Well, can God do anything? Well, how would he do it? Hmm? We know he's got angels. Why has he got angels around? Just to stand around and look pretty? I mean... No, there is a ministry of angels, and God does things. 
I've heard any number of situations like that. How many times have you heard testimony? I, I heard somebody just, oh, just a couple of days ago about a young person that was in a car, had an accident, was flipped upside down, and it was crushed in such a way that they couldn't get out, and the gas tank was leaking, and they could smell the fumes, and they knew that they were in a bad way, and they couldn't get out. And they said, uh, no sooner did that car stop turning over, there was a man looked in the window and said, you want to get out of there? <laughs> And it was a teenager of a godly family that prayed and believed God. And he said, yes, sir. He said, take my hand. And he said, he don't know how in the world he pulled him out of that little hole. Next thing he knew, he's outside the car. And the man told him, just sit down over there. It'll all be okay. In a little bit, somebody else will be here to help you. And he looked around and the man was gone. How many have heard stories similar to that? That kind of thing has happened again and again and again. And I believe it's God's will that we have even more. Even more of this kind of thing. So you should believe in this. And you should be open to this. But there's something else I must tell you. There's a line you don't want to cross with angels. In Colossians 2, are you there? Believe in the ministry of angels. Be open to the ministry of angels. But you do understand you could live all your life and never see an angel. And it wouldn't mean anything's wrong with you. Wouldn't mean you're unspiritual. Do you hear? And what you don't want to do is get down and get to praying and trying to see one. Did you hear me? Don't do that. Somebody said, why not? Well, for right now, because I said not. But I, this is a whole nother message. But so far, how about this will help you. There are other spirits besides angels. They're wrong spirits. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that even Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He likes to try to come off as an angel of God and try to fake. And, and if you get down and clamoring, I want to see an angel. I want, why do you want to see an angel? I just do. I just think they're so great. What did the Bible tell you to seek angels? Did the Bible tell you to pray? You see what I'm talking about? People get in trouble because they seek after the spectacular. No, you want God. Amen. Amen. You want to be close to God and don't clamor to see things because that is, that can be rebellion that you are refusing to walk by faith. Right? God has required us to walk by faith, and what pleases Him? You and I walking by faith. Well, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. We haven't seen Jesus, but we believe. Amen. We haven't seen heaven, but we believe it's there. We don't see angels, but we believe. Now, there are times that people see them. Now, not everybody that says they saw one saw one either. Right? But then there are cases of people who have and do, and it has happened, and it will happen. But they are God's messengers, and they are sent to minister for us, and in cases like this, to us, to strengthen and to heal. But keep this in mind when you're thinking about angels, or talking about angels, Colossians 2 and 18. Colossians 2 and uh, 
18, he said, do not let anyone, this is the NIV, who delights in false humility and worship of angels. Did you hear that phrase? Worship of angels. Disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen. And it's talking about his visions, you see. It's the things that he's seen. This is particularly in connection with angels. And his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He's lost connection with the head. What's important? The head. Who's the head? Jesus is the head. Amen. Amen. Who do we worship? We worship the Father God and the Lord Jesus. Amen. And the Holy Spirit. We don't worship angels. Right? And we don't talk too much and make too much ado about angels. We believe in them. We want to cooperate with whatever God would have them to do. Right? But some folk have gotten off. And it's just angel, 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 angel. Well, no, it ought to be Jesus, 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 Jesus. Right? Go to Revelation. Are you holding your place there? Did I tell you Revelation 22? It also says here in Revelation 22, you remember that John was on the island and he saw angels. <laughs> Did he see angels? He saw all kind of things. And angels are great beings. I'm awesome. I mean, they can be so awesome you tremble in your flesh. They, they can be so awesome. Even somebody like John was pulled to worship. He thought, wow. The Bible said, verse 8, this angel had told him all these things. And in Revelation 22, 8, I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me this, these things. Even somebody like John. And then said he to me, the angel told him, see that you do it not. For I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren the prophets, and of them that keep the sayings of this book, what? Worship God. How many know you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you worship? You don't talk about angels night and day more than you do the Lord. You don't pray to angels. Did you hear me? You don't pray to angels. And you certainly don't worship angels Amen. we worship God Hallelujah. he has angels yeah. now this is something I'm not even going to start to teach on it we have angels yeah. assigned to us yeah. they're angels that would say that they're your angel yeah. that's one, one of the big reasons why you're sitting here tonight yeah. huh yeah. anybody that's had kids no yeah. they've got to be angels and a lot of folk keep them busier after they grow up than before when they were kids. But <laughs> I know somebody was asking me a while back about something. They saw a scar somewhere. And I said, oh, there's a story with that. And they said, well, what about that over there? And I said, well, that's, there's a story for that too. And I got to thinking uh, afterwards, man, there's a story for just about every part of my body. I mean, I've had so many crap When I was a kid... I, I, we went to the emergency room once or twice a summer, man. I mean, but God spared us. How many of you can testify that you've been spared? 
Man, I, I remember I was logging. I know all of y'all got stories just like this, but I was logging before I got in the ministry. I wanted to do some of these things. And I had this great big old Peterbilt long-nosed truck, and, and we were hauling hardwood logs. I mean, you talk about heavy stuff and big stuff. And, man, they loaded us to the gills. And we were, I, I took this load to a place, and I was going to drop it. And what you do, they had these cables that run under the, the, the trailer, and when you release them, the arms fall down and logs roll off, you know. Well, I tripped those things, and the logs didn't move. Well, I bumped them, and I bumped them, and I jostled them, and the logs didn't move. And me not being too bright, I decided, well, I got to, I got to kind of get under there and knock that where that'll come loose, you know. But I'll be under the steel of the trailer, and I'll be okay. Oh, man. I got too far. I just, what was I, 19 years old, I guess. And how many know you don't know everything when you're 19 years old? <laughs> These guys thought I was older than I was because I, I had a mustache and beard when I was 13 and 14. And people thought I was older than I was, so I got away with some stuff. I, and uh, I had this big rig and I was operating. And, man, I got under there and bumped that, and that thing released before I was ready to get out of the way. Next thing I knew, I felt those big hard, great big hardwood logs, you know, this, this big. I felt one of them brushing my head. Next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the trailer, the right side, safe side. Yeah. Happened faster than you could blink. And I, uh, you know, I was on a motorcycle one time. I just put me some new glass packs on it, and it was raining. But I had to try them out. I just got them on, you know. And a buddy of mine wanted to go with me. So, man, here we go. It's raining. We don't care. I think I was 15. And... Um, I'm listening to these glass packs. Blah, blah, blah. Man, I'm having some fun. And we come around this curve, and you know how when it first starts raining, sometimes there's an oil film or slick. It was in this curve, and it was banked. And man, it happened so fast, you know. I was in this curve, and next thing I know, I'm sliding on my hands and, and knees and the pavement. Bikes going, and, and the only thing I could think of is my hands, my hands. I'm sliding like 50 miles an hour on my hands, no gloves. I'm thinking, oh, my hands will never be the same again. I finally got stopped. I'm bleeding, you know, got gashes all over. Well, pavement and skin just don't go together too good. And uh, you know I got it bad because I still love motorcycles, man. I, maybe love's too strong a word. I enjoy them very much. And I, I looked up, sliding in this, I'm in the middle of the highway, sprawled out. I look up just in time to see this massive Buick. You know, they used to make Buicks big. <laughs> this Buick, the bumper looked this, yeah, I mean, it looked like this big. Come over the hill, and here I am, and my buddy and the bike sprawled out in the middle. Of, well, he slammed on his brakes, but he hadn't got time to stop, and it's raining, and it's slick. It looked like he's running over me. And some way or another, right before he hit me, that Buick stopped just like this. I mean, I'm this close to it. Boy, I'm looking at that massive bumper. Had to be an angel get a hold of the back of that thing. There was no time. There was no way. And thing after that, everybody say, thank God for angels. Thank God for the protection of God. Now, I know you have stories just like that. But do you understand what we're saying? 
Let's believe God. Let's be open. If angels move in our services and touch people and they're healed. And God made the human body. How many believe he could put in a new part? Huh? Why couldn't he? A new lung. A new kidney. A new pancreas. New gland. Whatever is required. Well, how's he going to put it in there? It's got to happen some way. And if he sends a new lung from heaven and it comes special delivery and an angel comes and knows how to slip it in there, cool. Right? Let's, let's believe for it. Let's, let's expect it, right? But we don't start talking about angels more than we do Jesus. And we certainly don't worship angels and we don't pray to angels, right? You with me? You okay on that? Go back to John 5 then. John 5. This angel came down. I'm not quite through, so are y'all still with me? Hmm? This is important. What we're about to get to here. John 5. They're waiting. 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 You can wait on some special manifestation and be waiting for decades. Perish while you wait. Or you can build your faith. Go for it by faith. Amen. And receive for yourself. Some of these things are special things to a few of what's available to all by faith. But sometimes people don't know it. This is the Bethesda, the house of mercy. God wants people healed so much. He does special things. And maybe this is not the right word, but some freebies. <laughs> and some samples. Amen. Amen. Of what's available to everybody. I mean, you know, you're walking through the mall and you smell this amazing smell. And you look over and somebody just pulled a fresh rack of fudge out. And they go, hey, would you like a free sample? Well, that lets you know that there's more fudge you could buy and take home. Take home 10 pounds if you wanted to. I'm not saying you should. It's just an example. But uh, they're waiting, waiting, waiting. And these special things are happening, but it just happens for one. So this is the difference between spirit-initiated things, people healed by special manifestations of the Spirit, people healed by special faith, working of miracles, gifts of healings, these kind of things. Let's pray for them. Let's believe for them. But if you need healing, don't wait for that. I said don't wait for that. For instance, you know, there's been cases where the Lord's given Phyllis or myself a word of knowledge. Somebody in the building has this. Come down here. Your healing's here. Let's believe you receive. So you were specially called out. You were specially ministered to. Don't wait for that, though. Right? The Lord moves special like that. But if you say, well, that's, that's the only way I'm going to take it. They got to call me out. I, I got to feel the power. I, this has got to happen. I got to see glory stars. I got, well... Special things happen, but if you insist on that, and that's the only, you got to have it that way. And some people go from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting, trying to find somebody that's got the power. <laughs> Let me tell you who's got the power. 
God has got the power. Now he uses men, but he's the one you want to be looking to. And if you'll read the word, he's telling you for healing, you don't have to wait. It's been bought. It's been paid for. Put your faith on it. Claim it. Believe you receive it. Amen. But yet, thank God for these special things too. And a lot of times these things will happen for sinners. Now when I say that, I mean people that's not born again. People that's never received Jesus. The Lord will do some of these things for people who don't even know him, don't even want him. As signs. I think I told you about this, but several years ago, the Lord led us, kind of like we did last uh, Friday. Stand up and ask him for miracles. Believe for miracles. We did that. It's very similar to that. And I found this all out later. I didn't know it at the time. But there was a couple there that this woman had been trying to get her husband to take her to these services for years. He wasn't a Christian. He wasn't interested. And finally, she come upon this. She, she said, well, you know, there's some good fishing out there near that area. And if you'll just take me so I can go. And if you want to, you can go fishing. He said, well, now fishing, that's another deal. And so he was okay with that. So they got there, and in his words, he said, and then she started in on me, and she just nagged me, nagged me. Would you just go to one service with me? Just go to one. He said, finally, he said, okay, all right, all right. I'll go to one. But then after that, you leave me alone. I'm going fishing. Well, that was the one he was in that day. And he thought that the preacher went entirely too long. And if he could ever get out of there, he would never come back, and he would just fit to be tied. And when we stood up, you know, we prayed this, and he still felt like that. And when we finally dismissed, he grabbed her by the hand. They dashed for the car, and he's griping and saying, Ah, preacher so long, we never saw such a thing in my life. I ain't never going back. Don't ever ask me to do that. And he reached back to scratch his back. He had had a growth back there, big as your fist. And he reached back, it bothered him sometimes. He, and and he, he reached back to rub it, and he said, He said, put your hand back there. Put your hand back there. And uh, she said, oh, glory to God. You've been healed. He said, ah. He pulled off on the side of the road and got the rear view mirror. Now, he told me all this himself later. He got the rear. He said, I don't know. She said, it's gone. I'm telling you, you're healed. He said, well, I can't feel it. She said, you're healed. He said, well, we'll see. Next day, he was back. Amen. Amen. And, and, and eventually got saved out of that. But was it his faith that got him healed? No. 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 Special thing. Amen. A sign. God still does signs. Yes, he does. And wonders. What's a wonder? You see it and it makes you wonder. You go... Wow, that's amazing. Amen, it is. You, you, it's not an ordinary thing. You're going, how did that happen? How could that happen? God can do things that you can't figure out. But here the man sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting, maybe for years. And Jesus comes along. Thank God. He saw this man, verse 5, knew this man had been in this condition for 38 years. Even if you've been in a bad way physically for 38 years, could you be healed? I mean, that's almost four decades. 
almost 40 years. I mean, that's half a lifetime or so. Or a third if you're going to make it to 120. But it's a long time either way you cut it to be sick. Uh, Other translations bring out invalid. He he couldn't, couldn't care for himself or not completely. And Jesus comes by and looks at him and says, Will you be made whole? And the word means, most of the time it means desire. It can mean determined. Both of them are applicable. Will you, do you want to be healed? Or have you made up your mind you want to be healed? Right? Does desire play a part in these things? Oh, it does. Now, desire is not faith. You can want something all your life and never have it, never get in faith about it. But you're not going to pursue something that you don't desire. Amen. Amen. I made up my mind several years ago about prosperity. I was so broke, didn't have a thing under the barrel, barrel on top of you. But I made up my mind. The Lord became poor so that I might be made rich. He's bought and paid for it. And I'm going to have it. By his, if I have to stay after it every day, if it takes me 50 years, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. You got to desire it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Healing. You got to make up your mind. He took my infirmities. He bore my sicknesses. He carried my pains. He bought my healing. He paid for it. I'm going to have it. Amen. 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 If I don't get it the first day, okay, I'll stay with it. First month, I'll stay with it. First year, I will stay with it. I'm getting it. What do you mean by that? It's it's already ours, but I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to walk in it. Amen? Amen? You've got to desire it. Desire. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, they'll get it. They'll be filled. He said, when you seek for me with all your heart, you'll find me. If you're of the mind, well, it ain't so bad, you know, I can, you know, I can live with this. Well, then you'll have it. That's right. I can make it like this. Yeah. I ain't too poor, but I, you wouldn't call me rich by any stretch, but I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, that's where you'll stop then. That's right. Because you have no desire for your faith to get a hold of. You got to desire the things of God. How many want to be full of the Holy Ghost? Full of power. Full of faith. Get revelation out of the Word. Amen? Get See fruit in your life. Other people's lives affected by you. They turn to God because they know you. They come back to God because they're around you. Their faith is inspired. They get healed. They get filled. They get delivered being around you. Do you desire that? It can't just be a passive thing. You've got to really desire it. Really desire it. Amen. Amen. We got to have a vision for this church, don't we? You and I, all of us, we got to have a vision. We can't just say, well, we're okay. We're okay. Well, we'll just stay right where we are. No, we got to see bigger things. Amen. We got to believe God can do far beyond what we've seen or thought yet. Amen. And go for it. Hunger after it. Reach. Stretch. Till we're increased and enlarged. Amen. Amen. Walking with the Lord for these decades now, never have I had the Lord tell me, whoa, whoa, now back off. You're, you're thinking too big. You're, you're, whoa, now you're reaching out too much. Never. 
Never. I have had him ask me several times, is that all? Sometimes I had to say, well, that may be all I can believe for right now. But if you'll help me, I'll come up. Amen? Is he not able and willing to do exceeding? abundantly, above all we asked or thought, according to power that's working in us. What kind of power? Part of it's desire. Hunger. Say it out loud. God can do much more than this. Say it stronger. God can do much more than this. We're talking about everything He's done in your life, everything He's done in ours, everything He's done in this church. Say it again. God can do much more than this. Much more than this. Much more. What do you say? Greater things than these. You'll see. And we say amen, so be it. Greater things than what we've seen. Much far greater. I get excited when I get to thinking about it because I sense it in my spirit. And I know it's not just talk. It's not just hype. It's happening. It's happening. You and I are going to do some shouting in this place about the things the Lord has done for us. Amen. Megas shouting. Lots of shouting. Hallelujah. Jesus came by. He said, will you be made whole? Now, what's a normal response from, for a question like that? Hmm? And you know, the two blind men that came crying out to him, and, and he said, do you believe I'm able to do this? What was their response? Yes. Yes, yes Lord. He asked this man, do you, will you be made whole? What would you think the response would be? Yeah, yeah. Can you help me? Yeah. But that was not the response, was it? What did he say? He said, sir, I don't rightly know who you are. But the deal is, you see, I ain't got nobody to help me. I have no man. Oh, friend, there's a whole series right here. I have no man. I don't have anybody. Because you see, I'm, I'm all crippled up like this. You can see it says, it says impotent. That means without strength. Yeah. Every time that water moves, how many believe he told Jesus the story? Okay, he probably told it how many times? When they're sitting out there under the porches all day long, <laughs> you know, I imagine they told some stories. Yeah. Oh, 38 years he'd been like this? 38 years? He said... Yeah, I remember back in 1954, we was out here, and man, that water troubled, and I was this close, I was this close, but that old rascal, John Thomas, jumped in right before me. I mean, he splashed probably two milliseconds before I hit, because, you know, he had his second cousin out there helping him, and that big rascal just virtually threw him in. And then, you know, in 62, we were out there. And that fellow, you know, he, he cheated because he, he had one foot already in the pool. There ain't no way I could move that quick because you see I'm crippled. How I many know what I'm talking about? Store, you know, how some folks, you ask them about their problem and you better have brought your lunch with you because... They're going to give you all the Latin names and all experimental drugs. Some of them say, well, you're making fun. No, listen. It's a problem because their faith is highly developed in the problem. 
I've seen people could talk to you all afternoon about their problem, couldn't tell you two scriptures on healing in the Bible. You see where their focus has been. They think about it, they talk about it, they meditate on the disease all the time, and that's you're going to stay that way and get worse. Sir, I don't have anybody to help me. And this is what he believes. He believes that the lack of somebody, somebody to help him, is why he doesn't have what he wants. There are many, many, many Christians who believe that in some form or fashion. They either believe that they're not where they should be because people didn't help them, people didn't support them, people weren't there for them, or they believe somebody's in their way. Well, if old so-and-so wasn't working over there, I'd already have that supervisor job. Well, if old so-and-so wasn't in the church there, I'd already be a deacon. They're in my way. Now, here's one you hear a lot. Well, they won't acknowledge my ministry over there. They won't, they won't give place to my ministry. They won't acknowledge my ministry. And so the, without saying it, the implication is, so I can't do the ministry I'm called to because Brother Keith won't give me a place. Or whoever. Is that true? That was, that was weak. Let me tell you, the answer is no, that is not true. Hold your place here. Go to Joshua. <laughs> well, they won't notice me. They don't acknowledge my call. They don't acknowledge, my husband won't acknowledge my gift. It's holding me back. Are you sure? It's a handy excuse. Did you hear me? They won't give my ministry place. In Joshua, I want you to notice something in the first chapter. This is a real problem in churches and ministries everywhere. I've run across it for years and years and years. People believing this lie in some form or fashion. Either they don't have the proper help. People won't get behind me. People won't support me. People won't help me do my project. I've been trying to get support for my project for 25 years. And nobody will hook up with me. And nobody will help me do my project. Well, did it ever occur to you that maybe you ought not do that project? Well, God's called me to be a missionary to China. And I've been trying to get there for 15 years. And I can't get there. Let me tell you something, brother, sister. If God wants you in China, he can put you in China. Did you hear me? His hand is not shortened. No. People make excuses. This guy's laying here making excuses. I don't have a man. And I, nobody's helping me like they're supposed to. I told that, that grand boy of mine to be down here every day, but he won't help me. He's always off doing something else. And, and I told my brother, and he won't help me. And, and my pastor, he ain't called on me enough either. <laughs> Never blame anybody for your failure to receive. Because we don't live in a covenant 
where only a few people have access to God. We live in a new and better covenant than the old where they will all know God from the least to the greatest. Somebody born again two minutes can come boldly before the throne of grace. Get mercy and find grace to help. Amen. Anybody can believe God. He'll hear anybody's prayer of faith. In this new covenant, you don't have to go through men to get to God, just only one man. Amen. Isn't that what First Timothy said? There is one God. One. And one, how many? One mediator between God and men. The man. The man. Do we have a man? Can we say we don't have a man? We got a man. The man. Christ Jesus. That's all the man you need. Amen. And if you believe that, and if you, (laughs) he that has ears to hear it, friend, God's talking to some folk. Don't say, well, I don't like what Brother Keith said. Brother Keith didn't say this. I'm telling you, the Lord's saying this. Take it to heart. Do not believe these lies because it chokes people. It chokes marriages. It chokes families because you got people year after year. They may not say it, but secretly they're blaming somebody for what I don't have or where I'm not at. Huh? And if I didn't have all that dead weight behind me holding me back, it's a lie. I said, it's a lie. Let me read you the truth. Joshua 1. Are you there? Joshua 1, 5. Look at this. What did that man say? I hadn't got a man. I have no man. I don't have anybody that will help me. Joshua 1, 5. Listen to this. Make this your own. The Lord told, how many that believe this, the Bible's God talking to you? He told Joshua and he told me and he told you. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. Hallelujah. He goes on. But do you believe that part? Yes, sir. That if you trust God and you put your faith and your eyes on him and you obey him, there is no man or no woman who tries to interfere with you, who ignores you. Did you hear me? That can stand between you and the success of God's plan for your life. Don't believe those lies because they can rob you. They can rob you of half your life or more sitting around waiting till somebody recognizes you. Waiting till somebody acknowledges your gift and gives you special play. That's like the man waiting around the pool. Right? You can do that for 38 years and be no closer to it than when you started. Or You can get your eyes off of men and women. Amen. Amen. I mean all men and women. And get them on Jesus. Amen. Amen. The man who is your man. And in your corner. 
And he told you, he said, I've set an open door before you. What? Ain't no man can close it. And you say, if the Lord wants me over there, he is well able to put me over there. And I'm expecting it. And I'm standing. And I don't care who knows me or don't know me or is for me or against me. None of that. No man can stand before me completing the will of God if I'll believe it. And not believe lies. Right? Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Nobody can stand between me and God's perfect will, His complete plan being done in my life, if I will believe and look to Him. Amen. So don't, don't blame people. Don't blame people. For any of your failures to receive or failure to accomplish, it's a lie. It's a lie. Go back to John. Let me see if we can conclude this. John 5. What are we about to see here? We're at the house of mercy. Right? We're about to see a manifestation, not just a manifestation of faith. We're about to see a manifestation of mercy. Mercy. God is merciful. I'm thinking of a guy right now, one of the meanest guys, hardest living fellas. I mean a hardened criminal in a meeting. How he got there, I don't know. God got him there. But the Holy Ghost was moving, and God got on him and healed him of some internal problems. He came to me crying, just crying, bawling like a baby, big tough guy. Me, you could tell this guy, me, you can see it in his face. He's been mean. He's been bad. He's crying like a baby. He said, Why would God heal me? Me? He said, I just can't fathom it. He said, I know I'm healed. I feel it in my body. He said, How, why, why would God heal? I said, He's merciful. His mercy endures forever. He's good. He's good. Don't try to understand it. Just accept it. Thank Him for it. Amen. He's merciful. We're looking at the house of mercy here. We're seeing an act of mercy. Jesus said to this man, will you be healed? He said, I ain't got nobody. Every time I get close, somebody gets ahead of me. And he's telling this story. Verse 8, Jesus looks at him and says, get up. Get up from there. Rise. Take that bed and walk. Now, go to Mark 3 real quickly. I want you to say, I told you I'm going to show you a contrast here. Mark 3. This is the story of the man that had the withered hand. We've already studied about this. You remember this? He called him, told him to stand up in the midst. And remember in verse 5, look at, look at it closely. Verse 5, he said to the man, stretch forth your hand. Then what happens next? And he stretched it out. His hand was withered. How can you stretch out a withered hand? For years I thought that meant he extended his arm. It didn't say extended his arm. He told him to stretch out his hand. His hand is withered. It's just like telling this man, rise up and walk. He can't. That's why he's there. Will the Lord ever tell you to do something you can't do? Yeah. 
like start a church with no members. <laughs> yeah, a multi-million dollar church. I, I spent two or three nights with the calculator. And it just did not come out right. I mean, I think, well, how many members you got? People ask us, well, right now, none. They look at you like, you are crazy. When you got no members, you rent a little bitty thing. Not when the Lord says, do something else. Right? If he says, stretch out your hand, it is possible to stretch out your hand. If he tells a blind man, open your eyes and see, it's possible to open your eyes and see. But notice the order, very significant here. He told the man, stretch out your hand, stretch forth your hand. What happens next? He stretched it forth. Then three, what happened after that? Huh? It was made whole. Right? Get the order now. One, Jesus gave the command, stretch it out. Two, what happened? The man stretched it out. Three, it was made whole. Dr. Lillian B. Yeoman, in one of her books, talked about this. They said that God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing underneath their feet but the Word of God. Amen. <laughs> and she also talks about that when, you know, like this, stretching forth your hand, when you reach the limits of what you can do to obey the Word of God, you meet omnipotence. At the end and extent of your ability to act in faith, you meet the power of God. And that's what happened with him. As he stretched out his hand, even though he had tried to do it for years and couldn't do it, even though it was impossible to do in the natural, when he got to the end of what he could do, believing it would go further, the power of God straightened it out. But in John 5, that is not the case. That is not how this happened. The man with the withered hand was healed on his own faith. But here, notice this is different. This is different. He tells the man, rise, take up your bed, and walk. This is the same thing he told the man that was born by four that lowered him down through the wilderness. Excuse me, wilderness. Lowered him down through the rooftop. And Jesus said he saw their faith, right? So it was their faith that got that man healed. The friends that bought him and his own faith. Now this, though, he tells him the same thing. Rise, take up your bed, and walk, number one. Number two, what happens? Verse nine. Number two, what happens? And immediately the man was made whole. Two. Number three, what? He gets up and takes his bed after he's been healed. Nothing in this, nothing in this passage talks about this man's faith. There's no reference to his faith. Nobody brought him to Jesus and asked him to touch him. If you'll just touch him, he'll be healed. The man didn't come and say, Lord, I believe if you just lay your hands on me. When Jesus says, will you be healed? He goes, well, let me tell you, I ain't got nobody to help. See? Is that faith? No. Not faith. But Jesus says, get up and take your bed and walk. And when he said that, 
healing power went through that man's body. And right where he lay, he was, didn't, didn't say he received his healing. He was made whole. This is a sign. It's a sign. And he's whole, so now he can get up after he's been healed and takes his bed and walks. The Jews, you know, got upset because he's toting his bed. And in verse uh, 12, they said, What man is that which said, Do you take up your bed and walk? He that was healed didn't know who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Jesus finds him in the temple and said to him, Notice, what did he say to him? Your faith has made you whole? No. What? You... Yeah, you are made whole. Not a word said about him believing or receiving. You are made whole. Do what? Sin no more, more, lest the worst thing come unto you. So now we see here that it was his previous sin that opened the door to this problem. Did you hear me? And this is frequently the case. Now we know not always, right? Right? Because we just got through studying. Right? John, where they said, who sinned, this man or his parents? He said, neither one. And we know we know those three men didn't go all their life and hadn't sinned. Ignorance. Ignorance. You can be in trouble because of ignorance. You can also be in trouble because of disobedience. Right? Sin opens the door. Gives the enemy access in your life. And in fact, he warned him, he told him, now don't, you know, straighten that up and don't do that anymore because you could wind up in worse shape than you were before I got to you. Can you lose your healing? I've had people try to tell me, well, I just believe if the Lord ever does anything, it's forever. This is Jesus himself telling this man that's been healed through a spectacular. This is special faith. If you want to know which one it was, it's special faith. Yeah. Not the man's faith. It's faith beyond ordinary faith through Jesus' ministry. He just spoke to the man. He's not even in faith. And he's healed. Yeah. In Jesus' ministry, even a case like this, he tells him he could lose his healing. Wind up in worse shape than he was. Right? right? Yeah. So that's reality. But if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. But back up here. Notice, though, what kind of people God could use. You know, God uses people today in these kind of things. Working the miracles. Gifts of healings. I had years ago. That's one reason I'm teaching on these things, because I want us to have some more of them. I'm believing for them. I was in a healing line. And I came down the line and there was this woman standing in front of me. I'd been just laying hands on people like I usually do, believing God to heal them. And I got to this woman and asked her what's wrong with her. She was 80-something years old and she said she was deaf in one ear and one shoulder was, rotary cuff was frozen. She couldn't move that arm any more than like this. That shoulder, that rotary cuff was immovable. And when I got to her, something came up in me. Somebody. And the Lord dealt with me. Give her a good slap on the side of the head. 
and take that arm and jerk it straight up. I thought, God. (laughs) Now, if you think about this kind of stuff too long, you'll talk yourself out of it, man. But now, working of miracles, what is working of miracles? It'd be like Jesus making mud and putting it in somebody's eyes and telling them to go wash it out. Well, see, there's a working here. On the man's side, something is being done that God works with. Do you see this? Now, special faith, you wouldn't even have to touch anybody. You'd just say it. Just speak it. And it'd be done. But uh, I knew it was the Lord. So I reached up, 80-something years old, and I just cuffed her on the side of the head. Just a, you know, pretty good pop. And I took that arm, and I said, stick that arm up, sister. Like, And I knew, boy, you've either messed up or you've done good. One of the two. Depending on whether you heard from God or not. Somebody said, well, so-and-so, you know, they heard from God and did that, and it was a disaster. No, they didn't hear from God. Amen. Did you hear me? They missed it. Yeah. And you got to admit it when you miss it. That's right. Amen. I've seen people go in the hospital rooms, and they said the Lord told them to, to pull this person out of the bed. And so they dragged them out of bed, and they're in their little gown, and they fall in the floor, and it's embarrassing, nothing happens. Well, I just don't understand that. Well, you missed it. Simple. You missed it. Right? Because if you had been obeying the Lord, doing what He told you to do, He knows how to back you up. Right? So people miss it. (laughs) I'm thinking of all kinds of stories now. But uh, anyway, I'm looking at her. And she began to wave that arm and go, glory to God, glory to God. And her ear was open. She could hear a watch tick out of it. And that arm, she could move full range motion. Not healing, miracle. She didn't recover less than a split second. Miracle. Right? Well, let's believe for these kind of things. Amen. In addition to our regular healings. Especially for new people that come in. God wants to show off for people that don't know Him. Especially too. And you let them know what kind of God He is. And say, hey, look at this, you know. Signs and wonders. But what kind of people, you know, God could use you? Did you know God could use you? Even in a special thing, you didn't even have to be a preacher. Just know God. Stay prayed up and have some faith. Be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm telling you. God uses all kind of people that will cooperate with Him. But notice this. What kind of person the Lord can use. Verse 13. After Jesus told him that, he didn't know who it was, the man that it, didn't know who healed him. For Jesus had conveyed himself away. A multitude being in that place. What kind of people does God use? God gives His grace to the humble. Is that right? Another translation said, said He slipped off. Strong's said He slipped off and quietly withdrew. No fanfare. Now what would a lot of people done? 
Huh? Oh, man. They'd have wanted spotlights and a marching band. Right? Look at this. Look at this. God used me. No, he did that and just slipped out. Just, he was gone. Now, this also tells you this was a special manifestation of the Spirit because he walks off and leaves five porches full of people sick. Did you hear me? Why? Because this is not about faith. He hasn't been there teaching and preaching them. They haven't got faith from what they heard. Do you see this? He just walks up and ministers to this one man and goes. So that's what folk don't realize about special ministries. Whether it's a prophet or apostle or evangelist, you can't just turn these things off and on when you want to. And you can't just do that for anybody that you see. Hmm? It's as the Lord wills. And you just cooperate with him. And Jesus ministered that man, slipped out. He was gone. Said out loud, I believe in miracles. I believe in signs. I believe in wonders. Look at verse 19, and I think this is it. There's a lot more, but there always is. Then answered Jesus and said to them, Verily, verily, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself. Did Jesus ever take personal credit for one healing that happened in his ministry? No, he did not. Jesus never took personal credit for one message he preached or one miracle or one healing or one deliverance. Not a one. He said, the works that I do, the Father in me, he does the works. And he tells you how it happens here. He said, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. If you, if you spend time being quiet and waiting on the Lord, you'll see things. Amen? And one way that, that he, how did he see the Father do this? He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So many times the way you see the Father do it, you see yourself do it. But it's not you, it's him doing it through you. And if we'll pray and wait on the Lord... We'll see. Th- I don't mean you'll fall into a trance. I don't mean you'll have an open vision. But most of the time, it'll be like what we'd say in your mind's eye. You'll see yourself going somewhere or doing something or calling somebody or giving an offering or this or that. And when you know that's the Lord, you walk it out. You do what you saw yourself do or you do what you saw him do through you. And that's when miracles happen. That's when great things happen. Stand on your feet and let's ask the Lord in faith. Actually, pick up your Bible again and go to Acts. Let's pray this prayer right out of the scripture here. Acts. Acts 4, 29. This is a prayer for signs and wonders and miracles. And the Lord wouldn't have given us this if he didn't want us to pray it. And he wouldn't have told us to pray it if he didn't want to do it. Acts 4, 29. Let's pray this out loud. He said, you know, Lord, behold, their threatenings. But let's start right here and say, Lord, grant unto your servants... Your true servants, 
everywhere that with all boldness they may speak your word. Hallelujah. Stretch forth your hand, Lord, to heal and that signs and wonders might be done in the name, by the name of your holy child Jesus. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.